Would you like to connect with experienced finance and accounting professionals for mentorship and career advice? Do you want to hear how the leaders in your profession got where they are now? Are you looking for a networking space, especially for the finance and accounting community? Then FEI Engage is the place for you. FEI Engage is the only community and content hub focused strictly on finance and accounting. It gives you access to the wisdom and experience of long-tenured professionals so you can make savvy decisions about your future. Visit www.financialexecutives.org forward slash FEI hyphen engage or click on the link in this episode's show notes to learn more. Good morning. Welcome to the FEI Engage Job Search Bootcamp. We have an incredible lineup of speakers. We're going to cover everything from perfecting your resume to interviewing tips to offer negotiations. So really everything you need to build confidence and streamline your job search process. Now I have the pleasure of introducing Elisa Gelbard. I'm sure many of you know her. She's the founder and CEO of Point Road Group. Point Road Group is a unique branding firm that helps companies make powerful brand impressions through their people. Among many other positions, she sits on the board of directors of the New York City chapter of FEI. And um, I count her as a friend. Elisa, thank you very much for joining us. And I'm going to hand it over to you. Thank you so much, Olivia. Great to see everyone. And I'm glad to see that many of you have turned on your camera because I'm sure as our uh, later speakers speakers will discuss that that is an important part of the whole process and being present. So we've got a lot to cover today in an hour about resumes and LinkedIn together. Um, they're both critical. Um, whether you are, I know 72% were actively looking for a job, but even those of those who aren't, you are probably going to look for one in the near future. You're thinking about it. So oh, well, always having an updated LinkedIn profile is critical, but having an act, a current resume is also very, very important. So um, try to give you as much as I can in the short amount of time. I'm a, At least I'm from New York, so I talk quickly. So that's a benefit today, but I'll try to be clear. Um, you know, I think overall, we'll get into a little bit about... Um, both resume and LinkedIn, um, but just kind of overall, when we're thinking about both, it is so important that they are relevant to the roles you're seeking. One of the biggest mistakes we see people make at every career stage, um, and we do, as you know, as um, Olivia mentioned, we do a lot of branding work with um, individual executives and and finance professionals who are looking for their next job or board seat. And one of the things we see across the board at every level is people just update their resume and LinkedIn, meaning they take whatever they had and just add whatever they're doing now or most recently on top. Instead of taking that step back and saying, is this positioning me well for the roles that I'm looking at now? Because you progress, your career progresses over time. So maybe that resume from even if it was three years ago, five years ago, two years ago, the, it may not be positioning you well for the roles that you're seeking as you continue to up level. So that's one thing I really ask you all to think about when you look at what you have is, 
is it really from a strategic perspective and of course from content positioning you for the roles and the level that you're looking at and really a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about today can really differentiate you from the competition as you are looking um for a job. So we're going to cover, you know, to, and so you have a resume that shines. We're going to talk about some key strategies on how to approach having a strong resume and then what to actually say and how to say it most effectively. We'll talk a little bit about formatting because that can be the difference in someone just skipping right past it. And then we'll talk about um, some tips for key sections. Let's get, let's get into some key strategies first. When we think about our, the, you know, your resume overall, remember, it's a marketing tool at the end of the day. So you want to be thinking about who is your audience, sort of classic marketing strategy, right? Where you think about who's your audience, you know, what's the purpose, who's your audience, who you're trying to reach, who are those potential employers, recruiters, people in your network, who do you want to be reaching? What's the message that you want to be sending them about you, right? About your experience and your skills and your expertise. And then are you being consistent in how you're communicating, what you're saying. So that's kind of overarching from a marketing tool perspective. And then really, you know, the thing to remember is, is your resume is not a CV. It is not a, you know, 10 page document of everything you've ever done. And it's also not just laundry lists of, you know, job descriptions. It is supposed to invite interest and convert and ultimately conversation. And I know you'll get to in interviewing later uh, with Maureen, but it is supposed to be a top level picture of you not getting into the weeds of every little thing you've ever done. What happens is we often feel um, insecure when we're looking for a job. And so we feel that, oh, we should just include everything because you never know. And by including everything, people see too much and then they can't see the most important things that you really that they really should know about you. So one of the things we always like to say is you don't want to make someone work to learn about you. So if there's so much content and there's a lot and or it's or it's difficult to read that they have to take time to just figure out they can't even figure out who you are and they're going to skip past you. So we want to take that away. We don't want that to happen to you. It should be skimmable. It should be e relatively easy to read because remember things are judged quickly. You know, there's so much research out there anywhere from two seconds to 10 seconds to 20 seconds in terms of that quick impression that someone has when they're looking at a resume. So we don't want you to go into the no pile if someone is looking through the proverbial stack and whether that's online or actually someone even prints it out. But the idea is um, we, we want to make it easy to read for people so they can figure out those key things about you. And of course, we want them to be, you know, the, your resume to be relevant to the roles you're seeking. So someone doesn't look at your resumes and say, why is he applying to this role? This makes I, I don't understand. This makes no sense. And this happens every single day. I mean, I can't tell you, we just, through my company, we have just um, recently hired for a number of roles. And there were countless people who applied to different roles where you, we literally said that every day going, I, I don't understand why is this person applying for this role? So you don't ever want to be that person. Keywords are something important. We'll get into that a little bit. Um, and, and really want to show your value and your impact. And again, what makes you unique? Why is it you? What's better? What's so great about you versus somebody else? And that really leads into that next idea of what do potential employers really want to know? They want to know how you can help them because remember, 
It's not about you getting a job. It's about filling somebody else's need. So how can you clearly communicate Then you can fill that need for whatever it is that they're looking for and, and that you can jump right in and have impact? And the thing is, it's about standing out, right? What makes you unique? So if someone, let's say there's, you know, whatever the a role there is, let's say it's, um, uh, you know, you know, director of MNA or something like that, where, um, 10 people are dead, you know, it's down to 10 people and everybody is qualified for it. We've weeded out the people who didn't work on their resume and got overlooked. What, what makes you unique? Why should someone consider you for the role versus somebody else? So you always want to kind of think about that in, in the back of your mind. And there's some important reminders too, to think about too, kind of when we're thinking larger picture about your resume is that you always want to, um, Talk about things, obviously, that you've had um, a hand in, but you want to avoid gray areas because at the end of the day, and I know Maureen will, will mention this, everything on your resume is fair game during an interview. So if you are saying something that you did something on the resume, someone can ask you about it. So if you didn't do it and you're exaggerating to try to make it sound good, um, be very, very careful. Um, I, you know, avoid to me, avoid anything that's gray. If it's something where you want to make it sound better and use different words, that's different than exaggerating. Um, another tip that's sort of just a quick edit, editorial tip. And it was um, probably one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given in my career. And I had, and it was given to me by um, the only mentor I ever had actually. And it was during um, an internship I had in college. And then where I worked um, at my first job afterwards in a corporate communications and investor relations firm. And my mentor said, read everything out loud before you submit it, read anything important. So with your resume in particular, Spell check skip misses things, right? Or your eye, as you're reading something in your head, can see something you think it's okay, it's okay, but there's really a typo. So read it out loud. Read every word out loud. I know some people say read it backwards. I, I think it's just read it from the beginning. Does it? And then what you want to be talking is: Does it tell a story? Is it just a bunch of information and just some lists of information, or does it actually tell your professional story? So. Let's think about now what to actually say on your resume. Well, again, you want to give a sense of what you did, not a list of responsibilities. That's one of the biggest mistakes we see people make too across all experience levels is it reads like a job description. So it's like a list of responsibilities instead of things that you've actually done, um, where there's uh, something about your results, achievements, impact. Even for those of you who are early in your career, where maybe you are just coming out of internships and first jobs, there are still ways to talk about impact that you've had versus just listing what you've done. And, and be careful also in terms of the amount of words that you use. So that's another thing we see all the time is that, is that level, consider if that level of detail is necessary. Can you say what it is that you're trying to say in a shorter amount of words? Because remember, we talked about in the beginning about making it skimmable and easy to read. So if you can say something in one brief phrase instead of two full lines of text, then that's always preferable because someone can kind of get that information by versus if there's a lot of text, they are likely going to miss it or skip right over it. So thinking about that level of detail is really necessary. One of the biggest pieces of advice that I can give you all is 
in addition to, well, we want to think about keywords. So looking at the job descriptions, you see words in those jobs. You're going to see as, you know, you have the, the roles that you're thinking about that you're targeting, and you're going to see commonalities, those words that come up repeatedly in every job description, do any of those words appear in your resume? Do you use a different way of saying it? Um, or are you explaining it instead of using the words that they're looking for? Make sure you do that. Now, however, don't include the keywords if you don't have experience in those areas yet um, or, or very, very, you know, if, if you're light on it, if you do have experience and you can say it, but you don't have experience Again, that that gets into that gray area of not including. Um, but in addition to looking at the job descriptions and then looking at your resume and seeing if that makes sense, uh, another really good um, tip is to look at LinkedIn profiles of people who have the roles that you're targeting. Now, with the caveat that not everybody updates their LinkedIn profiles, and we will all make you know we'll get into that obviously in the next piece of this, but. Take a look at those because you will likely see some good descriptions. It may take a little time because you got to find, you know, some people who have updated their profiles. But that's another place to see what are the types of things that people are saying? Um, what are some of the words that people are using? Your strengths should be clear. It shouldn't you shouldn't be buried in within within your resume. And also for those of you who are looking to make some kind of change or pivot transferable skills should be clear. So whether that's analysis, research, lead, you know, managing, leading, training, things like that, strategizing, those are things that can be, um, that are transferable across a lot of different kinds of roles, industries, functional areas. So really look again at, if you are looking to make a pivot, um, again, what are they asking for in those roles that you're looking at? What I encourage you, for those of you who have responsible for on your resume, there's there's another way to say it. You could say, so as an example, you could say, instead of responsible for creating a report, you created a report. So think about direct language. Again, when we think about, is that level of detail necessary? Are all those words that you're using to describe something necessary? And that brings it back to that, readability factor. So some things, this is just one quick, you know, quick example. Um, and there's, and, and one of the things I should say in the beginning that I should have said in the beginning is um, one of the phrases we say all the time is it depends because it depends on some of the ways that you say things, depending on who you are, what your background is and what you're looking to do and what your unique situate employment situations have been. So bullets is something that I always encourage instead of paragraphs. Paragraphs are much harder to read. And remember too, people read a lot of resumes on their phones. So think about the scrollability of that. It's very hard to read a dense paragraph. Same thing, by the way, on LinkedIn. Um, be action oriented and direct, like we mentioned, instead of saying responsible for. Be specific when you can. So if you performed um, an analysis of something, of what? Was it helpful? Was there a result? Very often people give the first part, but omit the second. And the second, that end result is something that really potential employers are looking for and that, that, they're, that they're interested in. I know this one sounds um, a little obvious, but um, think about um, present tense and past tense. 
I literally was looking at someone's resume this morning and in their current role, it's written in past tense. Everything was written in past tense, not something that maybe they've been in the role for a while and they included something in the past. So your current roles, generally speaking, of course, there are exceptions if you've been there for a while and maybe something happened in the past where that could be in past tense, but your past roles should not be in present tense. And that speaks to something that I mentioned earlier, which is don't, you know, when you have a resume, it's about just avoid if you just updating, you know, adding a current section. And that means that you didn't read the earlier section. So make sure past the, past positions are in past tense. Um, num- use not when you use numbers that are relevant, not just gratuitous numbers where you're throwing something in and it's more of a distraction. But if you're talking about a percentage increase, let's say, or decrease, can you say the number? Can you give the reference? So if you say something decreased by 40% from what to what, if you can include that, because sometimes those numbers can um, be really interesting um, and, and help tell an interesting picture about something that you've either done yourself or been a part of doing. Um, jargon is also something to be careful of and jargon and acronyms. So sometimes they're unique to a specific company, to a specific industry, and then certainly to functional areas, but really consider the audience. So people, remember, we think about a marketing tool, people we're trying to reach. So will they know what that acronym is? Now, some are, uh, you know, are incredibly obvious, like KPI or IPO or, you know, YOY for year over year, but others that may be really specific to the company that you work for, especially for those of you who are early in your career, where you learn these acronyms and you use them in your roles, but they may not be um, used by other companies um, or maybe in other functional areas or even industries. Here's another one that's a little obvious, but I do want to say is avoid the first person in your resume. It's still not really a thing yet. Now on LinkedIn, you can write in the first person, but in resumes in general, you want to be avoiding I, me, my, we, um, it's some people will say differently, but generally speaking, especially for for the functional areas that you're um, involved in, I, I, I would avoid it for now. Um, you may hear somebody that says otherwise, but and that's the other thing, too, by the way, with kind of the whole um, career advisory world, you will hear people who have differing opinions. But as long as there's a good, re- you know, there's a reason behind it. That's okay. Um, The other thing about years and and the reason why I have the example, the image up there is, you know, years, um, excuse me, months, months versus years. Generally speaking, years are fine. You don't need to include months unless the the month, including the month helps explain something. Maybe there's uh, maybe you um, had different roles within a year. Maybe it was because um, you had an interim role. There are different types of things. So it just makes it for a cleaner read if it doesn't, um, if the level of detail isn't, you know, isn't really necessary. So Let's talk a little bit about formatting, because formatting can really be the difference in someone, um, you know, moving moving past your resume um, or sticking to it. Now, first, the one of the first things is, again, this is an obvious one, but I wouldn't be saying all these obvious things if they weren't something that um, that we see regularly. So one is um, including your contact information. 
I can't tell you how many people forget something important or include two emails or two phone numbers. And then which, if someone wants to reach out to you, which one are they supposed to use? They're not going to contact you in both, um, especially for those of you who are at the um, experienced ends of your career. You do not need to put um, a home number and a mobile number. Um, that is definitely, and you do not need to put your address. What you can do um, is put, if you're looking, if you want to note your geographic area, you could put. Um, where you live, not your street address, but, you know, city and state. Um, you don't have to anymore, especially as long as you are putting the location of the companies that you worked at. But the reason why I am personally, I think, putting the city where you live is important is, you know, these days you have obviously remote, hybrid, in-person um, roles. And if you are applying for a hybrid or in-person role, uh, especially if you're applying for an in-person role so people can see where you are, because sometimes it's very, very difficult, especially from phone number, you can't tell where somebody is. And sometimes companies um, really want somebody who lives locally. Many others aren't don't feel that way. And they say, great, if you want to come in and travel in from wherever you are for a couple days a week, fine. But there are many, many who want someone who lives locally, um, especially in any area of the finance function. So, um, and especially those of you who are, many of you who are on, who are at the senior level in your career, then uh, they really do look for those who are, do want people in person. So in any event though, consistency with formatting is very, very important because it again leads to readability as well as your attention to detail. So think about something like the way you list companies or schools, you know, whatever the, however you format it, Format it consistently. Same thing with your titles, the dates, location, even dollar figures. You know, that's something we see, especially in finance. Are you inconsistent in how you include numbers? Because that's important. So when you think about your formatting, then we get to things like fonts, bullets, shading, um, section, uh, you know, kind of um, sections, uh, blocking sections, um, specialty bullets. That's where things can get a little funky and colors. And that's why I included these examples, because you don't know how someone is reviewing your resume. Sometimes all those funky formats that make them look nice when you're looking at them very quickly from a distance may not show up even if you send it as a PDF. Now that's something you should all do, by the way, is send your resume as a PDF unless word is requested because believe it or not, I cannot believe we're at the end, almost at the end of 2023 and, you know, between Macs and PCs and all different operating, where people are with their operating systems and versions of Office, et cetera, if you send something in Word, it often formatting gets messed up. We see this frequently. So send it as a PDF. But even when you do, if you have all these other things going on, they can sometimes not display and that can take you out of the running. Sometimes you let, let's say you have um, white text on like the orange one here in the example um, with orange white text on an orange background and someone prints it. And maybe something happens with the printer and that doesn't come out. I've seen that many times. Or if someone decides they want to print the resume and it gets really wet when you have large color blocks, 
And so there's a lot of different reasons why, but mostly it is because of it. When you use funky formatting, I'm using funky as the word, but you know, different kind of design form, overly designed, sometimes it doesn't show up. So just be careful when you do. Make sure that you have tested it, that you have texted it to people, emailed it to people. So, you know, really look to see in every format um, that it that it looks okay at the end of the day. Um, document name. This one, this one is amusing. Sometimes we see people that submit resumes that say, you know, V10 or, you know, things like that, or V10L or V10A or have it from, it'll say 2022, you know, look at the document name, make sure it's current and make sure it has your name versus just, you know, I, I could say AGV2. And you would have no idea that that's mine. And especially if people, very often people download resumes. So you want to make sure it's your name. Um, and then when we talk about page length, so page length, if you are early in your career, you do not need a two page resume. If you are highly experienced, remember you are where well, this is not a CV. Two pages is fine. If you are looking at a more than two page resume, then you are likely including a lot of detail that's not necessary. Um, so quickly, I want to jump into sections and then we'll um, then I'll pause for some questions and then we'll move on to LinkedIn. So because, again, we have a lot to cover. So sections on your resume. One one thing that I um, encourage everyone here to avoid is an objective because objectives can pigeonhole you. So if you are very specific with your objective and you apply for a role that doesn't that doesn't meet that objective, then you are saying to the potential employer, I'm not really interested in this role. We see this all the time. Um, we see this with the clients we work with as well, again, as when we're hiring too. If you say in an objective, you, if I am the, the employer and I am looking at a resume and it says that you are looking for a job in, um, you know, let's say marketing and you're applying for a, um, an analyst role, or a junior accountant, because maybe you had a double major, but um, and you're early in your career and you're saying that your, your resume says you're looking for one thing, but you're applying for a different, I am skipping right over you 100% of the time because you're telling me that you don't want this job that you're applying for. So now con the, the flip side is a summary can be a really good way to concisely give somebody a snapshot. And I'm saying concisely again, um, give someone a snapshot of who you are, right? What is your key areas of ex expertise, your skills, your strengths, your experience areas, whether it's in industry, you know, specific industries, functions, certain specific things within your function. Um, that's where you can kind of quickly tell somebody a story. But what it is not is a regurgitation of everything that is below in your resume. This is a highlight reel. This is very similar to, uh, but shorter, uh, the summary in your LinkedIn profile. So it's this high level view of who you are. You can have a summary even when you are early in your career, but it should not be, again, this, you know, a, a listing of everything else. Um, when we get to experience section, one of the things that, um, I, I always encourage people to do is give a brief 
very brief description of the company if it's not a incredibly recognizable name. Because what happens is people don't really understand the context. And sometimes based on the roles that you're looking for, let's say for those of you, I know we have a lot of people who are on, you know, at the senior level. So if you are looking are um, at roles where they are looking for someone with public company experience, um, or maybe they're looking for someone who has gone through an IPO, then describing something like that very briefly in the company is important. Maybe they're looking for somebody um, who has worked in a family-owned business. So giving that, that's just that very brief description can be very, very helpful. Um, and again, I'm saying it again because it's worth repeating, in each experience, so in each role that you had, avoid that laundry list of just bullet, 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 bullet. Think about the highlights. What are the most important things that you want someone to know about you? It's not everything. Remember, we are looking to invite interest and conversation. Um, then show. don't forget about showing career progression. Very often, if you've been at the, at the same company for a while, people will put the most senior role. So let's say you um, ended your um, a role as VP of finance, but you've been with the company for 15 years and you didn't hold the VP of finance role for 15 years. So you want to give a little idea of what were those previous roles, right? So people could see career progression because if someone stayed in the same role for 15 years, that may, depending on the role, it may give a potential, a recruiter or potential employer pause for a second to say, why didn't they move on? What I wonder why they stayed in that role. And again, remember what I said earlier, you never want to create a question in someone's mind. So think, you know, being able to show career progression, that also shows the company had confidence in you and your abilities and supported your, your growth and that you were doing a good job. So don't forget to um, show your career progression. And you know, when you also, one of the things we laugh, we laugh at, we can tell when we look at someone's resume very often, we can tell what your favorite roles were because those are the ones with the most meat. They have the most detail. So just be careful that you don't have maybe you that one of those jobs that were maybe three, three roles ago, that that has lots of detail. And I get such a great sense of what you did there, but in the more recent roles, I can't really get a good idea. Now, some, that doesn't mean, you know, it's okay. We don't love every job that we've had, but just be careful that you don't give too much weight to earlier roles, which is something that happens frequently. So then after experience for education, make sure you include your major. Um, for those of you, you know, earlier in your career graduation year, that is one of those, it depends. Sometimes people don't want to include because of ageism. Yes, it exists. People who say it doesn't, they're I think they're lying to themselves, but there's a lot of strategies. I don't want to spend too much time on, um, but when it comes to, if you do leave off your graduation year, um, but you, you know, how far back do you go with your work experience? You have to be careful. You don't want to just start with um, VP of finance roles, just to use that as an example. Um, you did hold earlier career, earlier roles and people are going to find out. So that's a whole nother um, conversation, but just, just be cognizant of that um, as well. Um, your, um, if you graduated with honors, for those of you who are early in your career, that's when you can put things like study abroad. If you have leadership positions 
in um, organizations on campus or in sports teams. So that, again, that's for those of you who are very earlier in your career, that level of detail isn't necessary as you're, you know, as you're further along. Additional information is the last section. Um, and then, then I'll pause for questions. This is where everything else can go, but where you can separate it out if you have um, a lot of information in that section and it's also relevant to the jobs you're seeking. So what do I mean by that? Skills, technical skills, that can be separated out, especially if that's relevant. Um, certifications and licenses, uh, you know, CPA, things like that. If you have other certifications, maybe that is separated, maybe it isn't. It depends on the roles that you're looking for. Same with professional memberships, volunteer positions, especially really leadership roles, awards, uh, publications, if you serve on boards, not, you know, and whether it's, that can be an advisory board, a nonprofit board, it doesn't have to be a paid board role. Those can all be included in that, in that section. So when we talk about key takeaways, and then I'll jump it again, jump into questions, is um, you want to be tailoring your resume to the roles that you're looking for. You want to make sure that you're including keywords so you don't get um, overlooked by whether it's um, the actual, you know, an applicant tracking system or a human. Um, you want to show your unique value, why, what makes you, what's unique about you. So if someone covered your name at the top, would that just look like generic like everybody else? Or is it shows somebody unique and different. Um, and then make sure you pay attention to formatting so you don't get overlooked. And so. Elise, I had a question for you before yeah. we move on to LinkedIn. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so we're really, we're told that like a job search is a numbers game. And if you wanted to, you could fire off your resume to like a hundred different jobs in a day. But you know, as you pointed out, we're trying to, and I love how you said this, but we're trying to show the company that we can fill a particular role. Where's the balance? Like how much time and effort should we be putting into customizing our resume for particular jobs? And then how how much of it is just, like I said, a numbers game where we're just trying to like get our get somebody to notice so that we can get yeah. the ball rolling? Yeah, that is a great question. So I'm going to take it in sort of different pieces. So one is at the executive level, you should be spending very little. I, I think you should be spending very little time doing that because mm. you are who you are. If you are a CFO or VP of finance and you are going for it, you know the roles that you're going for. It is very clear what the responsibilities are, where it's not that different. I mean, you might want to tweak something in your summary and maybe one or two things, but at the senior, you know, especially at that level, you should not be. Um, at, you know, if you are not sure and you're more at the earlier mid and you're, well, I could go this way, I could go that way, I'm not sure which I want to do and the roles have some differences, you could, but... I would caution the amount of time be cut for a number of reasons. One, you only get one LinkedIn profile, and that is very, very likely the place where people are going to see you first. Mm -hmm. So if you have a LinkedIn profile that says you're this person, and then you have a resume that says that really makes you look like somebody else, then that's already, that goes back to creating a question in someone's mind. Um, also, depending on the company, how large it is, and you know, you, when you apply, let's say on a company site, for example, you can very often you can only upload one resume. And if you're interested in two different roles, then you can't have two different resumes within a company. You also have to track what version you're sending to whom. So let's say you send it, let's say Olivia, you send me your resume um, 
for um, a, you know, a, a, a specific role. And then um, I want to forward it to someone I know because you're all networking, right? I know that's not the topic today, but you're all networking and that is a huge part of your job search. Mm -hmm. But let's say I know somebody who's looking to fill that role and you say, uh, you know, and I let you know that I'm going to do it. You say, oh, no, 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 wait. I have a different version of my resume to, to send. Or maybe I don't tell you that and I just send it along. And now someone has the, uh, the sort of the wrong version. So mm -hmm. you just have to be very careful um, in tracking that. So mm -hmm. I, you can spend some time. I would not obsess because people tend to obsess about the resume and just constantly, constantly edit and edit and edit and change and change and change. So where it's you don't know, you know, wait a minute, maybe it was the version three versions yeah. ago that was that I sent to somebody else. Now I have to go look at either my email or if I can't see when I submitted it somewhere because I have the confirmation, but I don't know which version that I sent. So you just have to be um, a little careful. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, a couple other questions in the chat too. Okay. Um, I, can, I can look real quick. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's see. So you said, don't put objective. Do we put a summary with bullet points for skills and strengths or skip that too? Great question. You can put skills, sort of maybe a few bullet, but the highlighted ones. What you want to avoid is a summary and then a list of skills. And now all of that is the first half of your resume. And now I don't even know the context of all of this information that you said. And now I'm already below the, the proverbial fold, if you will. So, you know, you have to be a little bit, a bit careful with that, but you certainly can put key, key skills, like the most important things that you want somebody to, to know about you. But if you're just regurgitating what you've already just said in the summary paragraph, then it's not necessary. Then again, you're, you're, I think you're taking up valuable real estate. So we're going to quickly talk about why you should update your profile right now if you haven't, some risks if you don't. And then we'll talk about the key sections that you should be prioritizing. So power of a strong profile. Why is this so important? You know, so many people focus on the resume first and then they kind of, the LinkedIn is an afterthought. Fine to focus on your resume first. It's certainly the harder one to write. And when we work with clients, we always write the resume first because then you have the bones for everything else. However, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't immediately then go to LinkedIn. Do not ignore it because it is often the first impression someone has of you. And whether that's a recruiter, especially a recruiter, no Maureen will talk about that, um, a potential employer, someone important in your network. So this is often what people are going to see. And that's from just someone who's looking for you. What about for when you're reaching out to people, when you, when someone's sending an email and introduction, certainly I do that. Whenever I send an email and introduction, I link to people's LinkedIn profiles so they can learn about each other. Um, maybe you're on a meeting. I mean, I do this all the time. There, a day doesn't go by if I'm on a meeting and I don't know someone who's on the meeting. So I mean, obviously a video meeting, um, I'm going to look them up. Or if it's in person and I see a list of who's going to be there and maybe I don't know who someone is, I'm going to look them up. I want to know who they are. So that's happening every single day. So you want someone to get that current picture of who you are, because by doing that, you'll be more findable in search and it helps with connectivity and it certainly enhances your credibility. Now, if you have an outdated profile, you will miss opportunities people will not be getting the right impression of you because very likely you critical information is missing, right? So, so really think about is your profile 
giving the best impression of who you are today. So what does a strong profile actually show? A, you know, your value, again, think about like the resume. If you cover the contact information, is it just a generic person there, you know, where it could be anybody who maybe started in audit and then worked for four years and then went into, you know, it, is it, does it have something show about who you are? Does it have details beyond the basics? One of the biggest mistakes we see on LinkedIn every day is it's bare bones. So it's um, a very brief title. We'll get into that very brief headline, maybe a summary, maybe not. And just some basic information that it literally could be almost anybody. So make sure you actually include some information, show personality when you can. This is where you can really show personality. You don't have to. I know it's very uncomfortable for many of you, so you don't have to, but you can, or you could dip your toe into it. Um, and there's different ways to do that. And we can get into that really quickly. Um, but also be relevant again to the jobs you're seeking. When you look at some of the roles that you're interested in. And for those of you who aren't looking, but know that, okay, in the future, I'm going to be looking and it might be this role or it might be that kind of role. If someone were to look at your profile, is it relevant at all? Is it something that would speak to that role or is it, you know, doesn't have any information? Um, some quick important reminders, and then I want to jump to LinkedIn Live to scroll through a couple of key sections, um, is customize your URL. I will show you where to do that if you don't know how to do that. But what that means is, do you have a bunch of letters and numbers after your, your, the, your profile URL? So does it say Elisa Gelbard, C7367, you know, like that? Um, and if it does, you'll want to change that. Make sure you have a current email attached to your profile. And then go through settings uh, and privacy. Go, they change all the time. They use, they use, you know, back in the day, you used to get a, a heads up of what settings um, were going to be changing, but go through. It's probably been a while for many of you, but make sure three things. Make sure your profile is publicly viewable. Make sure your email is viewable. You want potential employers to be able to reach out to you. And then um, enable tags, <clears throat> excuse me. Enable um, the at message, the tag. So um, if someone is tagging you in content that they can see you, excuse me for one second. Let's go to a polling question, calling question number three. Is your headshot current and professional looking? Be honest, everyone. So is it absolutely, it certainly is, it's amazing. You're not sure, you're not sure how you can tell if it's really great or no, I absolutely need a new one. I know I absolutely need a new one. Okay, so I'm gonna just I'm going to LinkedIn Live while while uh, everybody's answering the question. Yeah, I'll give everybody a few more seconds. Okay, what do we got? So, sixty-seven percent of you think your your headshot is absolutely, without a doubt, current and professional looking. That's great. So for 19% of you, including Olivia, <laughs> you need a new one, let's get on it. And so, and what does that mean? Well, that doesn't mean you have to go to a professional. That's always nice, but that means you can just um, have someone, you know, dress nicely from the waist up and have someone take a bunch of pictures and then upload it. Mm -hmm. Not sure how you can tell? Ask people, ask people what they think of your headshot and ask them, is this, does this look who I am? like who I am today. I can tell you when I say countless stories, I mean countless stories of the headshots that we people that we see on a daily basis 
forget clients, just people I know, people I'm connecting with them or I'm looking at their profile. Um, it's really horrific that it doesn't look like them at all. Um, maybe it's um, the head tilt. For those of you who have the head tilt, <laughs> you're, you're not sure if that's a professional shot. That is not a professional shot. If your head is tilted, I would say if you're not sure, if you feel like you have to ask somebody, chances are it's probably time for a new head. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Here are a few hints. If there are other people in it, if there's a big weight difference up or down where you look totally different, if your hair length or color is different, glasses, no glasses. Now that's different. Sometimes, sometimes people wear glasses for reading or for distance. I mean, if you wear glasses every single day, and your headshot does not have that. Uh, those are some of the easy ways uh, to, to know if your headshot needs to be updated. The other is to consider the positions that you're going for. So if it's really casual and you do not, and it's not really, you know, it's a wonderful, wonderful picture of you, but it's pretty informal. Now, yes, you want to be approachable and show personality, but remember, this is a professional, professional platform. So you should look professional. Doesn't mean, let's say, you have to wear a suit and tie and be stuffy, but you can. And and it's okay, though, to wear a suit and tie, but just look approachable. So um, I could talk, I could literally talk about headshots all day, so I will not. I will actually move on to some other sections. Um, but next really important section, I think, is your headline. Remember, this is sort of above the fold here. This is what people are seeing. Is it just, um, I don't have a polling question, but for this one, but just answer it in your head or out loud to your, you know, is your headline just your title and maybe your title and company? It shouldn't be. It should be more than that. You have, I believe it's 220 characters to say something. That doesn't mean you should take up every character, but give somebody a sense of who you are. Even if you include your title and company, is the company name recognizable? Maybe you talk about industry. Maybe you talk about an area of expertise that you have within your headline. Um, you know, maybe you're in fintech or you're in banking or you're in media, um, or maybe you have a specialty like transformation or ERP implementation or IPOs or M&A integration or things like that. You know, those are, or business strategy. Um, think about the areas, what makes you unique. And by the way, what you say in your, in an updated headshot should be part of, and I know we're not talking about this today, but how you introduce yourself when, when you have that initial personal introduction, these are, they're, they're very, very closely related. And that's also where people make a big mistake is they just say their title and company. Sometimes that is appropriate in certain settings, but what else can you say about yourself? So use your headline to say something a little bit more. Then we get to the um, about section. So that is your summary. Now, this is now for starters, for those of you who are like, oh, I got update my profile. I'm not really excited about doing this. Um, at minimum, at least put the summary from your resume there. And your profile should not be a carbon copy of your resume. It should, the facts should absolutely be the same. So titles, companies, dates, everything that's fact, the facts should be the same on both, but it shouldn't be just, it shouldn't read like a resume. That is boring. You don't want your profile to be boring. It should be highlights of it. Now, the summary is where you get to connect the docs, tell people about who you are. Um, you can write it in first person. That certainly makes you more approachable, but you don't have to. First person is hard to do. I understand that. Sometimes you can dip your toe in and do first person and about 
and then have the experience be more resume speak. So kind of like that objective voice, but in the about, this is where you want to tell your story. Um, what makes you again, unique? Uh, the first couple of lines are the most important. So you see how it's here and then you want somebody to click see more. Now I have a lot here, some somewhat intentionally so people can see that you can have short paragraphs, long paragraphs. I think four lines, well, if you're looking on a desktop, not so bad. Little little chunky though, but man, if someone is looking at your profile on your phone, four lines of a paragraph is very hard to read. So um, I do this intentionally so you can see the difference of what it then would look like with a two line, um, more of a, a two line or one and a half line paragraph. Um, you can certainly use bullets in the about section, but don't just look read bullets because this is supposed to be you describing you. Your profile should absolutely unequivocally not be in third person because it is not someone else writing about you. It is your profile. So make sure that it is not reading like a bio and say, Elisa Gelbard is, you know, this is my profile. So um, it should be written about me. Sometimes people just copy and paste a bio there. And I strongly believe that you shouldn't do that because it, it you know, it shows that you are not, it's, you know, kind of, it's, it's, it almost feels standoffish. And this is a platform, not just to learn about people, but very, very, very importantly to connect with others. So you want to be approachable and connecting um, with others. So um, featured, that's something that if you have content, you can do. Um, but I know we're getting close on time. So I want to get very quickly to some other key sections. Experience. So again, don't cut and paste your resume here. This is um, this should really give a good. You want to give a good sense of what you've done in a role. So it shouldn't be a just a description of the company. It can be a brief description because someone can ultimately click through to the company page of something. But what if the what if the company doesn't have one yet? Like here, an advisory board that I'm on that doesn't have a company page yet. They were supposed to, uh, but now they don't. But that's an advisory role. I don't want that to be a focus um, for me um, here. So describe something about you and what you've done. You can do it in a brief paragraph form. Again, I did this intentionally. It's a little long, uh, but you can also do it in bullets. You could do it in one line. So make sure that if someone sees the role that you've been in, that they don't say, I have no idea what this person did. So if you look at an earlier experience, let's say um, at Rockefeller, you can see my career progression and you can see I summarized what I did in that role because it's really important that someone get a sense, especially for those of you who are looking for a job or considering a job search in the future. People should get a sense of what you've done in a role. Um, go beyond the title and dates again. And by briefly describing something you know, by not just having a title um, and the dates, you get, um, I have these numbers, sorry, I have to glance at them, five times more connection requests, eight times more profile views, and 10 times more messages. So, and that, those are numbers from LinkedIn. And so really make sure you have some kind of information. Um, so one more quick polling question. Uh, the fourth one is, are the skills on your profile relevant to the roles that you're looking for, to the jobs that you're looking for? So yes, you hit all the top ones. You're not sure because you haven't looked at your skills section in quite a while, or you don't have a skill section. You haven't even completed it. So again, the skills section. 
All right, let's give everybody a few more seconds to answer. And the reason why I'm, we're asking this question is skills are very important, especially um, they've it, when it comes to the algorithm and how you show up in search, certainly in, in the recruiting version, um, less so for others. Um, so results, we got 73% of you hit all the top ones. Great job. And then 27%, you haven't looked at your skills in a while. So to those 27%, um, and great that every single one of you has a skill session section. Hmm. Very happy to see that. Um, but for those of you who aren't sure, go go look at those roles that you're you're interested in and and see, you know, if you're listing Microsoft Word as a skill, I don't think really that's important. I think it's a, it's, it's assumed that mm -hmm. pretty much everybody knows that right now. But look at some some other things and see, you know, specifically in those roles, those, you know, goes back to those keywords. Do you have, are you listing those skills? Um, make sure you, that you do, you can list up to 50 and LinkedIn's algorithm, you know, they have algorithms for what's in your feed. They have algorithms for how you show up in search and um, skills have actually, they've really increased the importance of skills again, you know, or the emphasis in how it contributes to the algorithm. Can I tell you how much? I don't know because that algorithm is under wraps, but I do follow a lot of people who are experts in the algorithm. And it has definitely increased um, importance recently. So quickly, let's talk about some other quick sections and then we'll um, jump into questions. So one for education, include um, your schools, your um, degrees. This is a really great thing because it helps with connectivity. So when, whether you are networking with someone, whether you're, especially if you're interviewing with someone um, or, or just re in regular everyday business, for some reason, um, that is one of the first places people go for a connection. Oh, I see you went to so-and-so. I certainly do that. Um, and I know many people who do as well. Make sure you include any licenses and certifications that you have um, from a volunteering perspective. Please include that. That is also a very common way for people, <clears throat> excuse me, to look for connectivity especially when you're interviewing, people like to see um, that you are a well-rounded person. And, you know, here's where you can put a lot more detail of current and past volunteering roles. It's a great way um, for that connectivity. Um, what else? Um, skill, skills we mentioned. Um, connecting and engaging. We're not talking about that today. There's just, you know, I can talk quickly, but that's just too much. Um, but, but having a update and updated current profile will help you with connecting will also help from content engagement. So whether you are liking, sharing, commenting, posting, people like to see who's behind that. So the headline is really important for that because someone doesn't have to click on your profile. They can just mouse over to see, or if you want to see how many people, you know, who liked your post, you can see from the headline, but people often will then go through um, to click through to see who it is. So make sure you do, you know, you do that. So let's talk about um, the key takeaways. I'm going to stop my sharing. I'm going to go back to um, this, some key, some key takeaways now from LinkedIn. And I'm sorry that we, you know, there's a lot to cover. So sorry that we kind of went through very quickly on your profile. You want to show personality. You want to show your unique value. Again, what makes you unique? Is your profile generic? Because if it is, you will very likely be skipped by people who are doing search. And whether that's an in-house recruit, in-house recruiter, an, an, an external recruiter, executive search, people who are in hiring roles or using it, you know, just searching themselves. So you want to be findable 
Make sure you're relevant to the target, the role, the types of roles for those of you who aren't looking yet, but the types of roles that you're considering. So make sure you update all your sections. And overall, you know, some key takeaways of both, and then we'll jump into questions for LinkedIn, which is <clears throat> your personal brand evolves as you evolve. So your resume, your LinkedIn should evolve as you evolve. Don't ignore your LinkedIn. That's the easiest one to update for that. I think it was um, it was 28% of you who aren't yet looking for a job. Make sure your LinkedIn is current because it makes it so much easier when you are ready to look for a job. But also, maybe you're not actively looking, but you but some amazing, you know, Maureen reaches out with an unbelievable opportunity that you can't say no to. You want her to be able to find you. And for those of you who are looking, you don't want an outdated picture. You don't want to have the best resume on the planet, but then someone sees you first on LinkedIn and says, mm, not the greatest, you know, I'm not getting the right picture. I don't think they're right for this role. So really be strategic in how you are thinking about your content. Take that step back and make sure it's relevant to really to, to where you're going. Um, and so I am going to, you know, stop a look in the chat for questions, but also just wanted to mention, you know, feel free to, we have a newsletter you can subscribe to, follow us on LinkedIn. We talk about all things related to um, job search, career advancement, search, you know, looking um, for board seats, personal branding, executive branding, all the things sort of relating to that. So with that, I want to go back into the chat really quickly. Lisa, it looks like the most recent one is on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Um, so how do you change out the background on your banner headline section? So great, great point. And boy, I wish I mentioned that because it's a great way to stand out. So the generic is boring, right? So even if you just do a block of color, um, they give you the dimensions. I don't know. It, LinkedIn actually gives you the dimensions. I can't remember the DPI off the top of my head right now, but very easy to find. Um, and all you have to do is click the edit button and upload it. It, you can change it out very easily. Now, one thing I do caution you though, is it shouldn't be, this is not Instagram and face or Facebook or something like that, where you're doing just something that you're interested in. Try to make it relevant to the your industry if you can, um, could be even to function. You can have a bunch of spreadsheets in the back. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but but try it, try to make it interesting. You know, if you are a um, I was going to say football fan. Sorry, that it's a very sore topic. I'm a Giants fan. Um, <laughs> but let's say I wasn't in sports. I actually did start my career in sports. But what if I wasn't in sports and I'm just a football fan putting that up or I like to hike and I want, you know, a picture of, uh, you know, hiking. Really, I, I, I like to kind of, if you can first, if you can make it relevant to industry um, and it can be something interesting but not something that so far that doesn't really make sense in terms of um, who you are. And Elisa, just before, just the last question, I think this sure. kind of summarizes some of the questions from earlier about resumes. What's yeah. like the rule of thumb for when to take things off your resume? I, I'm sure you mentioned this, but like that that's how I would summarize a few of these questions. Yeah, that is a very good question. So of course, I'm going to answer it with the cop-out first response, which is it depends, mm -hmm. but it really does depend because it depends on a number of things. <clears throat> Maybe that early career you experience you have we're in um, an industry or with really recognizable brands that are now going to be really relevant to the jobs that you're looking for. So you may want to keep it on and maybe it gives you that increased credibility or maybe it doesn't. Quick example, 
I'm on an advisory board of a graduate sports management program. I didn't have my my internship and then it was a freelance role that I had in between my first and second year of business school. I didn't have that originally on my profile. And if I had a resume, it, I wouldn't have had it on there either. However, <clears throat> because I was um, going on this advisory board, um, it made me more credible. So people could see that I started my career actually in sports. And then I included my early career roles in sports. So people could see that. So in that case, for me, it made sense. But if I wasn't involved in that, I would probably take that off. So if I wasn't interested in um, pursuing a job in those industries, could take it off. But again, what you want to avoid is lopping, lopping off too much experience to where someone, one of my big, you know, we work with a lot of CFOs. So one of my biggest pet peeves is that all I see on, a, on the profiles at CFO, because you didn't graduate college and then become a CFO. There was mm -hmm. something happened in between. So just be careful that you don't lop off too much information. Right. Well, Alisa, thank you so much. Uh, I love one thing that you said that really stuck with me is that your resume invites conversation. It's such a great way to look at it instead of putting packing as much as you can into your resume. The resume is the starting point for what's to come. Um, and most of you had indicated that you had some concerns about your resume. So I hope you all picked up some important tips from Elisa. And I always learn so much, especially about LinkedIn when I talk to you. And yet I don't always implement the things that you suggest. So I just want to recommend to everybody when you're done with the boot camp today, go right on to LinkedIn and to your resume and make those updates because otherwise your momentum, your, you know, the exactly. motivation will be gone. So do it while it's top of mind. Um, and, and, and and please feel free to connect with, with me as well. Um, and I just, you know, it's a lot to do, but do it in doable chunks. Don't try to do everything at once. You know, it, it's, it can be a lot for those of you who haven't done much. And for those of you who are, you know, actively looking, you know, take that step back for a second and just make sure, is this the be best picture of who I am today? Thank you, Elisa. We always learn so much from you.